let's one more time appreciate Pastor Tunde, please, for allowing this event to hold and for supporting us in every way. Please put your hands together louder, 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 and better. Hallelujah. Come on, I've been introduced as a young person, so I am very persuaded that you are not also, you are not an old person. Uh-huh. So let's be young together so that um, we'll be on the same page. Let's take the song, um, Zoe, and um, maybe that would um, excite us a little bit. This life that I have is the life of Christ in me. This life that I have is the life of God. This life that I have is the life of Christ in me. This life that I have is the life of God. So The life of God is inside of you. 
I appreciate the singles fellowship and the youth fellowship for having me today. The conversation that we are about to engage in is very vital and I want you to approach it with a sense of interest and responsibility. This can transform your life if you allow it to. This can be a game changer if you permit it to. Thankfully, we are all young people, and so we can relate with our infirmities. We can relate with our mindsets. Um, but thankfully, the Word of God is the final say, not anybody's personal experience. What that simply means is that whatever is obtainable in the scriptures is obtainable also in your life. And so I want us to get to a point where we agree with God's word as the word of God has been taught. Don't just listen, but ensure that you agree with God's word. So I'll quote several scriptures and we might not have time to really open and look verse after verse. But if you're familiar with them, you can, of course, just follow me. If you are not, you can open it and be sure. And as these words come to you, please embrace it in its totality so that we can take full advantage of the scriptures. John chapter 6 and verse 27 is our general text. I have an impression that I, or I think I know why um, the text that we've chosen for this conference is this particular text. I'm sure, of course, that we are familiar with this verse, but let's read verse 27, John chapter 6, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Everybody say everlasting life. Come and say it with some energy. Everlasting life. Right, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him as the Father sealed. The general theme, of course, is Zoe, but what I want to teach on is titled Maximizing Zoe. Because for most of us who have already received Jesus, the issue is not about how to receive Zoe. We already have that. But now that you have received Zoe, what are you going to do with Zoe? And that's what I really want to emphasize this morning one more time let's pray very quickly holy spirit breathe upon your word and make it count in our lives in jesus name we pray in jesus name we pray Amen. all right the concept of being born again which we all refer to severally in our christian conversations we ask are you born again we say things like this person is genuinely born again that phrase, born again, as used in John chapter 3, implies several things. 
And I want you to be familiar with the implication of being born again. There are many Christians who are born again, or there are many folks who are born again, who still do not see themselves as different from the person who is not born again. Because aside from the religious cliche, born again, they have not really understood the implication and the import of that phrase. What does it mean to be born again? Does it mean that we now go to a church and we have a Christian name? Is that all to it? The concept of being born again. When Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, except a man is born again, he shall not see or enter into the kingdom of God. What exactly did he mean? Did he mean except a man starts behaving very sanctimoniously and begins to dress in a particular way? Is that the whole idea of being born again? As a Christian, if you are born again, you must ask questions. What exactly are the implications of being born again? But the Bible is very obvious, very clear in that direction. To be born again means about five or six or seven things. The first thing it means is that you are redeemed. You have been purchased and bought back from the slave market of Satan. The born again believer, the born again person, is God's property. Why? Because Jesus, by his death, paid a price for that person. How many of you have watched slave trade movies before? Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Hello, with maybe you don't know me. You don't know me. So I'm looking very weird or sounding very weird. I have conversations with those that I speak to. I just want to have a conversation. In fact, I'm not preaching. I want to have a conversation. Do we understand this? So sometimes I need feedback to be sure that you understand that what I'm doing is not a waste of time. So you've watched a slave trade movie before? Okay. So there, there used to be a time where people actually sold human beings like they sold chairs and properties. And we were once slaves of Satan. Satan owned us. Satan was our boss. We were the possession of Satan. But in the day we became born again, what happened was that because we believed in the price of the blood of Jesus, a payment for our lives was paid. And so we are no longer Satan's property. Say it after me. I am not Satan's property. I belong to Jesus. So that's what happens when you get born again. You become God's property. And in fact, the proof that you're God's property is the seal of the Holy Ghost. If you see cows moving, sometimes you see that people write signs on them. You can see an alphabet A or C. As a seal, a proof that it belongs to a particular allergy. And so when you were purchased by God, so that people would not assume that you don't have an owner, God sends the Holy Ghost as the customized signature that this is my possessed possession my prized possession do you understand that so to be born again means to be redeemed to be and the word redeemed just means to be bought back to be paid for that's what jesus did what does it mean to be born again also it means to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and to be translated to the kingdom of jesus when you were born again you were bought redeemed and that buying removed you from your previous geographical location when the bible says whoever is in christ the word in christ refers to a location a specific location in christ and so before you were in christ you were in hell and that does not mean that you were not 
here physically on the earth but because you were not saved you were not in christ you were satan's possession and so your environment can be referred to as hell that's where you are it didn't matter if you were very rich or very beautiful or very intelligent your location if it's not in christ is hell but once you become born again you are delivered and then translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son so at salvation deliverance happen redemption happen translation happen you are not where you used to be and there might be no physical evidence in terms of maybe you, this, your, the color of your skin changing or anything like that but then you have been moved everybody say I have moved say loud I have moved so Jesus shifted where you were and that's the fundamental deliverance that a man has. That he said, now that what means that Satan has no longer a legal right over that person. And so you can resist Satan, you can rebuke Satan, you can reject Satan because you have been delivered from the dom of Satan. Now, of course, that's in a potential sense. You will also have to enforce it because criminals do not respect the law. So although Satan knows that you have been delivered, he will still come to harass you. You will now have to be the one to say, No, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. This is not allowed here anymore. So, but you have been, it's something that happened already. You could not deliver yourself. Nobody could have delivered you. Deliverance will cost power, it costs force. And Jesus did that by dying on the cross and by resurrecting, he delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. What else happened when you get born again? You are justified. And that simply means that there's a verdict over your life that you are not guilty. Everybody say, I am not guilty. Kai, say it louder. I am not guilty. That's what it means to be justified. When Robert talks about the just shall live by faith, according to Romans 1 verse 17, he's saying that through faith and our belief in Jesus, we have been declared not guilty. Romans 5 and verse 1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. One of the reasons we can call upon God, approach God without any sense of guilt and inferiority and condemnation is because we are born again, we have been justified. There is a verdict by the atoning of heaven over our lives. And that verdict is not guilty, not guilty, justified. There is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because once you are born again, you are justified. The verdict over your life is not guilty by the highest court in the universe and nobody can reverse that judgment nobody can change it and say this person is guilty you are not guilty once you become born again you are justified and that justification makes you compatible with god you know because god is perfect and holy and there is no iota of faults and iniquity in him and when man sinned initially in eden we were not compatible with God. Man sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. And so we began to avoid God. God was no longer someone we could relate with closely. That sense of guilt and condemnation was hanging over our heads. But well, once you become born again, you are not guilty. And because you are not guilty, you are free. You can call upon God without any sense of shame or guilt or condemnation. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus did. Do you understand me? So being born again means that you are redeemed. It means that you are translated. 
It means that you are justified. What else does it mean? When we say we are born again, it means that we are reconciled. We are reconciled and saved. Saved from several things. Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from hell. Saved from Satan. Saved from death. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 to verse 10. Let me read that very quickly. And then I'll say one last thing here, which is very, very crucial. Romans chapter... Let's have somebody read it from the audience so that I can be sure that we're all participating in this together. Romans chapter 5 from verse 8 to verse 10. God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. So hold on. You notice he says a statement in the past tense, and now he says one in the present tense. Having now been justified with his blood. Yes, go ahead, please. Now he says, You shall be saved from what? From rot. That is the rot of God, the judgment of God. Through him. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we see reconciliation and salvation in past and future tense. Is that not so? Now, according to scripture, when were we reconciled with God? When were we reconciled with God? When we were enemies. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? How do you reconcile with an enemy? <laughs> what he's saying there is that Jesus did not wait for us to become God's friends before he died. He died believing that you would become God's friend. He died and his death provided the means of reconciliation. The moment Jesus died, God was reconciled to all of mankind. I repeat, all of mankind has been reconciled already. That means that God is not pouring out judgment on mankind but rather he is reconciling says so jesus paid the price come come home come home come home come home but reconciliation is not the full story he says after we have been reconciled we shall be saved so there's reconciliation and then there's salvation while reconciliation offers an opportunity of okay let's settle our differences all right i'm no longer trying to hurt you i'm no longer trying to punish you salvation means that there is now a permanent relationship that we have because of what Jesus has done and because we have embraced what Jesus has done. Are we still together here? So, we have been reconciled, we have been saved from the wrath of God, from the judgments of God because of Jesus. And then one last thing here, the implication of being born again is that your sins are forgiven. Everybody say, my sins are forgiven. 
There is no way reconciliation would have happened between a holy God and a sinful world if the price of sin was not paid for. The reason we have been reconciled is because somebody decided to die on behalf of sinners. And Jesus died on behalf of sinners. So once Jesus died on behalf of sinners, there was no, there was no longer a reason for God to see us as enemies. Somebody already paid the price for sin. That's why it says, God demonstrates his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we were reconciled as soon as Jesus died. And then our sins were paid for. Everybody's sin already has been paid for. Hello? They may not accept it, and so they will go to hell. But it has been paid for. The person who is in hell will be very sad more because he would discover there that his sins were actually paid for. It was just that he did not believe. He didn't believe. If somebody says, I want to become born again today, God will not send Jesus to go and die. He say, okay, see you, somebody wants to become born again, you're going to die again. No. When Jesus died, he died once and for all for every sin of mankind, every sin. Every sin has been paid for on the cross. So he now says, whoever believes in me will not perish. Do you understand this? So your sins are forgiven. Some of you are still walking in that guilt and that hurt and that fear of the sins of previous years. Once you, you cannot be in Christ, listen, you cannot be in Christ without that reality, that gift of the forgiveness of sins. Because God is not compatible with you if your sins are not forgiven. And when I say your sins are forgiven, it refers fundamentally to your sinful nature. The nature of sin is no more. That's what it means by your sins are forgiven. God cannot call us children if we are still in our sins. Are you listening to me? God will be insulting his name now. Holy God will now look at us as all children. He will be insulting his name. So because he knows what he has done to us in Christ Jesus, he is now able to call us, these are my children. These are my children. We are compatible with God. Your sins are forgiven. First John chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Jesus Christ is the propitiation. The word propitiation is sacrifice. For our sins, and not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. So, Jesus already paid the price for the sins of the whole world. That's why when we go to preach the gospel, we tell them, come to Jesus. Because he is the one that allows for the possibility of reconciliation you cannot now say no let me become very good first before i come to jesus no you can't be good it is only in christ it's when you come to christ that your nature is now compatible with god and if you are born again establish that in your heart you are compatible with god because you have been forgiven because you have been redeemed because your sins have been cleansed because you are now a new creature all of these things are the implications of being born again. And then, perhaps most importantly, which is what I want to drive home this morning, is that all of this happened because you were given birth to by God. God gave birth to you. When you were born at first, your parents gave birth to you. When you were born again, God gave birth to you. Do you understand this? We call it being born again because it's a birth. But it's a second birth. The first birth happened by virtue of the interaction between your parents. 
the second birth happened by virtue of the interaction and the sacrifice between Jesus and God. The only, in fact, you had no part to play in your first birth. You had no part to play. You just discovered that you are the son of Mr. and Mrs. Oloromaye. You just became aware. Now, the part you have to play in the second birth is that you believe. You cannot work it out. You cannot end it. You cannot buy it. You just believe. That believing is what brings you into that place of a new birth, being born again. Now, what it means to be a child of God or what it means to be born again is that God is your father. And because God is your father, you share the same seemingly, as it were, genetic code with God. have a child and he resembles me in a way in a way he looks like me all right now so because i gave back to that child some of my traits are already in that child maybe my fanatic expressions or animated behavior and mannerisms that child already has it because he's my child and so the concept of Zoe, which is the life of God, means that when God gave birth to you, you share the same life that God has. Are you listening to me? It's not possible for my son to have a different life from me. It's not possible. Once somebody is born of me, it's my life he will share. A goat cannot give birth to a dog. Are you listening to me? So, once you understand the implication of you are born of God, it means that the same life of God is now at work in you. That's the idea of Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4. It says we have been made partakers of the divine nature. So, your nature is not just human. As a Christian, you have an human nature. That's true. By virtue of your first birth. So, you can look like your parents, look like your mother. That's first birth, human nature. But then we have been made partakers of the divine nature because of the new birth, being born again. Do you get me? What that also means is that you must understand the concept of life refers to the operation of the Holy Spirit in getting us born again. Because when we talk about life, we are talking about something similar to breath. God made man and then man was existing but man was not really alive and so God breathed upon man and man became a living soul and so the Holy Ghost is the force that creates that element of life when I say that I have the life of God it means that me and God have the same spirit it does not mean that God has a form like I do physically it means that the spirit of God like we sang lives inside of me and so I have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 if the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you that same spirit shall quicken your mortal bodies so the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in me that's why I can say I have the life of God everybody say I have the life of God so when we talk about life understand it from a spiritual perspective but the phrase life also is not really a big deal if you do not understand Zoe. Because life is in various forms. In the Greek, for instance, we have bios, 
which refers to natural life. It's the Greek word for life, bios. That's where the word biology comes from, the study of life. We have suche. That's where the word um, psychology comes from. That's solical life. Bios is natural life. Suche is solical life. And then we have zoe, which is the life of God. But maybe the definition is not sufficient. If I say that an earthworm that is crawling is alive, would that be correct? Talk to me, please. So an earthworm has a life. Okay? That's why it can crawl. It does not mean that the earthworm will eat Eba if I give it. Uh-huh. But that's one life. Okay, how about a plant? A plant that is green and flourishing, is it alive? So it has life too. So we have life of animals, life of plants. We even have, according to some biological studies, certain seeming living things that oscillate between <laughs> life and death, as it were. For instance, I think that they say a virus does not come alive until it's in the host. It is, it's almost, you cannot call it a living thing outside the environment that it thrives. So once it enters that environment, it now comes alive. So it also has life. We have fungi and bacteria. All of those organisms exist with life. So when we say life as a Christian, it's not just human life. It's not just natural life. What separates us from the unbeliever is that we have the very life of God. You can look at the unbeliever and say, the person is alive. He's, he's not dead. He's not, in a, he's not in a mortuary. But that person in the perspective of God is dead. According to Ephesians 2 and verse 1, dead in trespasses. Why? Because God does not really consider all those things as life. The only thing that he considers as life is his own spirit. When the Bible spoke about Adam dying after years of the tree, it's not like Adam fell down and then was buried. He still existed. But he did not have interaction with God any longer. He was no longer compatible with God. They had to chase him away from the garden. So it is in that sense that Adam died. We are alive in the sense that we are not going to be chased from the garden. We, we live in the garden. We live in, in fact, it's not even about we living in the garden. The garden lives in us. When the Holy Ghost came inside us, he brought the entire garden, the environment of God, and lived inside us. That's why we are alive. Say, I'm alive. I have the way. So what you have is not bios. What you have is not just sushi. It's not plants or animal life or unbeliever life or natural life. It's the very life of God. The essence of God. You have been made a partaker of the divine nature. And that's huge. That's a game changer. That changes everything. That should cure depression. That should make you excited. That should make you have hope. Your life is not just a natural woman life. The factor of the Holy Ghost inside you changes everything. Now if Satan sees that he cannot stop you from receiving Zoe, he will then progress or proceed to stop you from maximizing Zoe. Because there are many believers who have received Zoe, but yet... There is no proof of Zoe. For them, their life is not probably more than bios or sushi. Their life's principles and life's values is still after the order of the first man, Adam. And that's very, very sad, really. The question I'm asking you this morning is, what are you going to do with Zoe? I've told you the implication of Zoe. It means that the very life of God, the spirit of God, 
And in case you want to know how weighty that spirit is, it's the spirit that was responsible for raising Jesus from the dead. That spirit dwells in you. Resurrection power dwells in you. The spirit that conquered death moved into you. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? And that's why I'm teaching on maximizing Zoe. It's a big deal that you are one with God. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Whoever is joined with God is one spirit. Everybody say, I'm one spirit. I'm one spirit with God. Whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That refers to oneness and the bond that exists between me and God. But what am I going to do with that? Am I just going to come to church every Sunday, speak in tongues, and then go to heaven? Did I receive so that I can just go to heaven? Well, if that's the only reason why we receive the way, let's be going now. There's no reason why we are still here on the earth. Maybe we should just be going to heaven right about now. There's more to the way than trying to go to heaven. When Jesus was on the earth and lived that life, because, you know, Jesus, although he was son of God, he was also son of man. All right. But he, of course, lived in that order, the order of the endless life. And that's one of the reasons why resurrection happened. Resurrection happened as a proof that Jesus was not just a man. He was not just a woman. He died as a proof that he was woman, but he rose as a proof that he was God. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, how do you think he lived? What was his priority? Was he just living like every other woman? Was he just living like any other man? Or was he even living just to escape Satan? Just to avoid demons? Just to have a good life? To make it and succeed? And to be a grandfather when he's 56? Was that what was powering the life of Jesus? No. Zoe should upgrade your thinking. Upgrade your appetite. Upgrade your hunger. You can't have the life of God and all your desires and all your expectations and all your cravings are the same with the natural unbeliever. Oh, that's a waste of Zoe. That's a waste of Zoe. The early apostles had Zoe, just like we have Zoe. What did they use Zoe to do? To turn the world upside down. To turn nations and cities and towns in the direction of Jesus. What will you use Zoe to do? What will you use Zoe to do? It's a big deal that you have received the life of God. But are you going to waste it or are you going to maximize it? That's why I'm teaching on maximizing Zoe, maximizing the life of God. Now, let me mention about five things you can do here if you want to maximize this life of God. We have sang that song, This life that I have is the life of Christ in me. Zoe, Zoe. Beyond understanding the meaning of the word, it's time to start living the life. Live like someone who has Zoe. And it's possible to live it. Jesus didn't just give you to have it, He gave you to express it. We cannot be content with the possession of the life. We must not stop until we begin to express the life. Until, until your neighbor begins to say, You are different from me. We make the same hairstyle. We perhaps eat the same food. But I know you are different. There's something about you that is different from me. 
John G. Lake, a missionary to South Africa, in the days of plagues, he wanted to scientifically prove that Zoe is not bios. He wanted to prove it. <laughs> Recently, I was watching a documentary of a doctor. He's not a Christian, but he, he was very fascinated about the idea of speaking in tongues. So he called some folks who, and he's a neurosurgeon, all right, so who speak in tongues and say, Let, let's test and see if there's any difference. Because, of course, the part responsible for speech is in the brain. And so he, he wants to see if these people are speaking from natural intelligence or, as they claim, supernatural intelligence. And so he puts them through a scan and puts you know, them under this scan machine and told them, why are you beginning to speak in tongues now? And then he did that and noticed that the wave expressions from somebody speaking in tongues is different from somebody who is just speaking a natural language. In fact, in his discovery, he discovered that it is even more extremely different when it's a spontaneous, unplanned outburst of tongues. So, when he asked the person, you can speak in tongues now, there was a difference, but there was more of a difference when he just started speaking without being told to. Your life is not different. And actually, science knows. Your life is different, rather. Science knows. So, John G. Lake, it was a plague that was killing everybody in South Africa, and they called that doctors and scientists and said, I want to show you that what I have is different. You are wondering why we are not panicking like you. Why were not worried like you? And so he cut his hands open. And then there was an element of the plague that was dropped into his body. And he said, just watch it under the microscope. And then they watched it with their eyes. How those diseases began to die once they touched his body. John G. Lake did not receive two Holy Spirits. But he dared to believe. Dared to believe. You are not going to maximize the way until you begin to take risks. If you stay in your comfort zone, practice Western Christianity, where you just come to church, Jesus girl, that's all you do. That's the only proof that you're a child of God. You will live like an ordinary Roman being. You will get to heaven and the angels will say, You, you have no trial. I was give you what you use and do. I was you use and do. That will not be your portion. No? I will make sure that that's not your portion. That's my job here. I'll make sure that you would be you will be angry with normal life. Because for Jesus to die, go through all that sacrifice, and all you do with it is to, at least I've made heaven. Even if Nabai's quarter then put me for heaven. No, no. No, Abba, now. Why? Why? What is the joy in proving life in heaven? There's no joy. Because everybody there already has it. Are you listening to me? It's here we should prove it. It's here. It's in this place we should prove that we are not the same. <laughs> not the same. The skin color may be similar. And perhaps they may be more pretty. <laughs> or prettier. Or may, and, and wealthier than us. In a sense. But what we have is not the same. Everybody say, I have Zoe. Five things. Number one. Accept, acknowledge, believe and embrace everything the Bible says about Zoe. Accept it. Many of us want to have visible evidence before we accept that we have a life that is different from bios, a life that is different from sushi. You are not going to experience Zoe in its full form 
until you understand and practice the principle of faith. The just shall live by faith. Wherein is the righteousness of God revealed, Romans 1.17, from faith to faith. So how you entered into Zoe, or how Zoe entered into you, first is because you believed. Whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Is that not so? Now the problem is that some of us now have entered into the life, and then we stop believing. The principle that got you the life is the principle that will manifest the life. It was faith that got you the life. It was not works. It was not legalism that got you the life. It was faith. So believe that what Jesus did in me is more than what my parents did in me. Listen, hereditary diseases are real. Generational causes are real. The first generational cause is the cause of sin. Adam sinned and the entire mankind was cursed. Are you listening to me? But there is also generational blessing. And you see, if you believe in generational causes, but you don't believe in generational blessing, you've got a problem. You inherited your nose from your father, your ears from your mother, perhaps. It's real that a generation can pass down something just because they gave birth. The same way God gave birth to you. God gave, do you know what that means? God gave birth to you. With his own spirit, there's an implication. Believe all that the word says about you. Philemon 1 sticks. He says that the expression of your faith or the manifestation of your faith becomes more effective when you acknowledge every good thing that is in Christ Jesus in you. If you keep living in denial, you would never experience and manifest the way. And I'll give you clues to know whether you are living in denial or you are living in faith. If you wake up in the Amatan season and say, you know every Amatan I usually have this particular kind of thing. You do not embrace the reality yet of Zoe. You still believe your life is subject to the forces of this world. To the forces of climate and weather. That's what you still believe. How was Abraham able to conceive when it was close to 100 years? My battery is going off here. Abraham was able to conceive. Sarah was able to conceive because according to Romans chapter 4, they did not consider the deadness of their body. They did not, con- in other words, they did not allow the reality of the body that they had to overshadow the reality of the supernatural influence of God's word. I'm not saying you're not woman, you're woman, but you are not just woman. Humanity is not all to you. I know you're a woman, yes, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not true. But that's not all to you. All to you. Do you believe you're a partaker of the divine nature? And that God is now your life. And that if Satan could not destroy Jesus, Satan cannot destroy you. It will be unto you according to your faith. And that if sin did not have dominion over Jesus, sin does not have dominion over you. Do you believe that? 
Now, if you believe that, it will, it will absolutely change your perspective to life. You will not approach life from a negative, pessimistic outlook, expecting the worst, expecting to be defeated, expecting to fail. The life you have is a life of dominion. Everybody say dominion. By grace, you have received power to reign in life through Jesus. Say after me, I'm unstoppable. I cannot be defeated. I cannot fail because I have Zoe. People who talk like that are not proud. They are just truthful. It's just the truth. It's not pride. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus did not say, I don't know, maybe shall, maybe shall, if the Lord have mercy on me, maybe shall, maybe shall. Jesus did not talk like that. There was no uncertainty about Jesus' speech. He told them, listen to me, even this death I'm dying, I lay down my life new. You cannot, if you cannot touch me. I lay down my life. Don't be saying, no, they do gaga for me, say, I want to arrest you, I arrest you. I lay it down. You can't take it from me. And he was not being arrogant, he was just being honest. <laughs> That's why the Jews were angry. What kind of a man is this? Jesus will get to a place and say, Your sins are forgiven you. They say, ah, Who forgives sins except God? Jesus will say, I just did it to show you that the Son of Man also has power to forgive sins. Which is easier to tell a paralytic man to stand to his feet or to forgive sins? Which one is easier? I'm just manifesting this way so that you know I'm different from you. He told them, He says, I came down from heaven to do, to, to do the will of God. I came down from heaven. He said, ah, we know his brothers now. It's not Mary that's his mother. Jesus said, you don't get it. I said, I came down from heaven. You, you cannot be looking at your life and be, you see, defining your life based on, I, I just want to make heaven. You cannot stop this thing. Stop it. Say this after me, I came down from heaven. All the, see, this life is grossly underutilized when the only goal of the life is to go back to heaven. So that's all they want. If you think that that's how the apostles lived, you think they were able to do anything for God? If the apostles, they, they won't go out, they won't take any risk, they won't die for Jesus, they won't be persecuted for Jesus, they will just play safe. So make I shall make it. Make, let me make it. This make it obsession is not healthy. God gave you life so that you can demonstrate it. Demonstrate life on the earth. Heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils and preach the gospel. Some people really are stuck in one place in their spiritual growth because once they discover that they are going to heaven, they just stay there. So there's nothing more. Let's just stay and wait for rapture. Now, why are we taking risks? Why are we doing great things for God? Nobody said, even put a go go. Why, why, why is somebody else now being a missionary to Afghanistan? Believe. One of the things you have to believe. Is simply that what God has invested in you is stronger and greater than whatever the world has, whatever is threatening the world, whatever is arousing the world, according to first John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you believe that? Then you have to start acting like that. When the world panics, don't join them. Don't join them. And they say, Oh, why are you not afraid of sin? <laughs> We are different. Ah, but we are in the same workplace. No. We are different. I've got something you don't have. I've got something you don't have. What is it? I have the life of God. Why did Daniel not panic when they said all the wise men in Babylon will be executed? I have what they don't have. I have God. 
They did not even have, in those in that dispensation, they did not even have Zoe like we have it. But they were so confident, they threatened them not to pray. And they said, Ah, we have to pray. Ah, open the window, open the window. We have to pray. How would you say we should not pray? They told them, We'll throw you into this furnace. They said, Ah, our God is actually able to deliver us from the furnace. So when the king saw the fourth man in the fire on that day, he was surprised. But the Hebrew children were not surprised. They were not surprised. They knew that, Ah, Abba now. We were different now. We are Jews. Come on. We are not Babylonians. You are a Christian. You are a child of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. That's a big deal. Believe it. And have faith. And have confidence. And be certain about it. It's not something to doubt. It's not something to be unsure of. Accept, acknowledge, and embrace all that the life promises. I want to speak about your confidence and boldness in manifesting Zoe here. It's also synonymous with faith. Zoe works best in atmospheres of boldness and audacity. And that's why Satan will do everything to make you feel guilty. Everything. As long as you walk in guilt and condemnation, Zoe may be a waste of time, a waste of investment until you get to heaven. Satan will underutilize your life. Are you listening to me? I taught you all of those things I said. Forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, justification. So that you can understand the mental state that actually facilitates the full expression of Zoe. Zoe will not work well when you are afraid. When you are panicking. No. Second Timothy 1 6 God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love and a sound mind. It means that fear and power do not work together. Are you listening to me? The power of Zoe is fully expressed in audacity. What do you think was in the mind of Jesus when he stood before Lazarus and said, Lazarus, comfort? Do you think he was afraid? You think there was any bit of fear in the heart of Jesus? Jesus was the way it was because there was no fear in Jesus. There was no guilt in Jesus. That was why all those miracles happened. Zoe is wasted where there is fear and guilt and condemnation and a sense of unworthiness and low self-esteem. And you say things like, we are not supposed to worry to stand before your presence, oh God. And every day you keep saying that. Now why did Jesus die? After Jesus died, I'm not still worthy. All of us are all sinners, oh dear Lord. Have mercy on us. And that's all your prayer points. And he says, Ask of me nations, and I will give you an inheritance. But guilt and fear and condemnation and a sense of unworthiness will make you say, No, I just want to make it on the last day. Stop it. Move on to higher things, move on to greater things. Be bold. It's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus did. And if you if you insist on doing something, then go and die. If you, if, because some of us want to do, want to do something. The reason why you cannot take the glory in this issue is because you will never be able to do anything that would earn you this this gift. You cannot. Even if you die, you are not good enough because your sacrifice is not perfect enough. So just rest in the Father's love. He did all for me. My own is to enjoy it. He did all for me. He did all for me. 
It made it possible to be called a child of God. Romans chapter 8. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. 14, 15, and 16 of Romans chapter 8. But the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out our father. That spirit of adoption affirms that it is when you are confident in God as your father that there will be a full expression of the Holy Ghost through you. That's why he had to give you his spirit. If not, you will always feel unworthy and feel not good enough. So he gave you his spirit and said, see, we, we have something, come on. I have the spirit, you have the spirit. We are compatible. So you can come to me. Don't hide from me. Don't run from me. And some of us are not intimate with God because we don't feel good enough. And it's a first problem. You are good enough because of what Jesus did. Say this after me, I am good enough because of what Jesus did. Jesus simply took your place. Jesus was not worthy of death. He was a perfect sinless man. So he went and said, okay, I will die in their, in their stead. I will die in their place so that they can take my place. Jesus was confident before God. He said things like, I am a father and one. When he said that in John 10, 30, they took up stones to stone him. Because the Jews knew the implication of saying, I am a father and one. They knew that it was not just a statement of unity. It was a statement of intimacy and oneness so they say you are making yourself equal to God and Jesus says what's there even your book says that you are God that's how Jesus spoke about God though. so Jesus now said you guys are missing out I will take your place so that you can take my place now he cannot do all of that and you still be feeling like you are not worthy why that's a slap to his face so become bold become confident become fully passionate about what jesus has done for you second thing here if you are going to maximize zoe which when i have 10 more minutes let me know because i want us to pray a few minutes here if you're going to maximize zoe soak your mind with a revelation of scriptures soak bombard baptize your mind with the revelation of scriptures the thing with Zoe is that Zoe came about not just by the Spirit of God, but by the Word of God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, we were born again not of corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible Word of God which abides forever. The word corruptible seed refers to mortal human sperm. And so we became born at first by virtue of the interaction of our parents, the seed of mortality. But we became born again, born of God. We have Zoe because of the seed of God's incorruptible word. What is the implication of this? Since you were born by the word, you would also have to live by the word to maximize that life. For instance, nutritionalists and um, dietitians. And people into or people in the food industry or food scientists have said over and over again if you have been listening that the best way to eat is to eat from the ground and that is so because we were formed from the ground if you eat from chemicals you may not be healthy if you eat from the ground that's why if you go to our villages you see old mama there very aged people who are still uh, they just go to farm they eat yam vegetable 
They don't eat uh, noodles and uh, whatever it is that we city people eat. They don't eat from the factory. They eat from the sand. Do you understand? So it sustains their physical life. Everybody must eat from their roots. Your roots are somebody who has the way it's God's word. God's word breathed you. So if you don't feed from that same word, there will be a malfunctioning in your Zoe life. Most of, if not 50% of all the disease in, in today's world is traced to something that we have started eating. The, the reason why the lifespan of mankind began to suddenly dwindle is because the appetite of mankind changed. And so we began to eat more sophisticated food. And now we have organic farming and they are making chickens in two weeks. And fast food and all these things. Now it's affecting the health. And of course, it's not just a coincidence that there are so many diseases to deal with. It's because people are feeding from things that are not compatible with them. So if you see a Christian that is not manifesting the life of God, and if you are a Christian that you are not fully manifesting the life of God, check what you are eating. What are you feeding on? Bombard your soul with the knowledge of scriptures. The knowledge of scripture is the energy that powers Zoe. As long as a believer remains ignorant, he will not have the vitality of the God life. He has the God life, but vitality in the sense that it is something obvious and visible and tangible. It's not going to be seen. What makes the difference is knowledge. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 1 to 6, Paul was traveling through Ephesus. He met some apostles, he met some disciples of Jesus, and he asked them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So they had believed. And they said, we don't know that there's anything called Holy Ghost. They were not aware of the Holy Ghost. Now some of you are aware that there's Holy Ghost. But you're only aware of tongues. That's the only one you know. You know that the Holy Spirit helps you to speak in tongues. That's the only one you know. And that's why that's the only dimension you manifest. I always tell counselors, don't just tell them they will speak in tongues. When they will look at them, they will prophesy. Tell them they will dream dreams and see visions. If they don't know that one, they won't experience it. Because knowledge is the portal, is the pathway, is the door <laughs> to those realities. As long as they are unaware that it even exists, they will never experience it. They will never experience it. So, what do you know about Zoe? What do you know about the scriptures? What do you know about your father? What do you know about the kingdom? Knowledge will add vitality to this life that you have received. Second Peter chapter one and verse eight. Someone read for me, please. If you are there, please read. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Please use the microphone if you can. For these things be in you and abound. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things be in you, 
they will make you older. No, you are still reading, or just older. They will make you unbarren, and they will ensure that you are not unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead, verse nine. But he that lacketh these things, he that lacketh these things, is blind. Is blind and cannot see afar off. And cannot see afar off. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wow, wow, wow! He has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, so that's why we are saying, Christian, know that your sins are forgiven, because some people can forget. And when they when they forget, what happens is that they are barren. Barrenness in the body of Christ is traced to being ignorant, forgotten that my sins are forgiven. I'm acting as if I am still a sinner, forgotten that I'm, me and God we are one. I'm forgotten, or oh, I don't even know. I was not told. They only told me I'm going to heaven. Unfruitfulness of the now one of the signs of life is reproduction. To be able to produce fruit is that not so? However, people can receive zoe and still be unproductive, unfruitful, barren. Why? They are forgotten. They are blind. They cannot see, and that refers to spiritual illiteracy. You cannot afford to be an illiterate in terms of spirituals. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Paul says, "I will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts. I will not have you ignorant." You must know this thing. You must submit this thing like say you submit your name. Anybody that you see weighty in spirit, anybody that you see strong in Zoe, manifesting the life as if it's not far from knowledge. It's knowledge what they know. It's what, it's what they know. Now, this is November. How many books of the Christian life have you read? What do you know about the life? How do you know? Every time you remain ignorant, you give Satan an advantage over you. Satan's main advantage is your ignorance. You have Zoe, but this Zoe is powered by knowledge. In fact, in John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life that they might know you. In other words, life and knowledge is closely linked. Let me give an example here. You know, two people can be human beings, and somebody is human being by name. Let's use Bingpe. I hope there's no Bingpe here. Okay. Bingpe, human being, Bingpe. There's another human being also. Her name is Biola. I hope there's no Biola here. Okay. So Bingpe and Biola, both human beings. However, Sister Biola went to. Grammar School. Sister Bingpe went to Harvard. So you know the quality of their life will be different. It's not because Sister Bingpe has two brains. It's that the knowledge they were exposed to. If if two of them are looking for a job and they say, Where did you finish from? I finished from Okumosha Grammar School. Where did you finish from? I finished from Harvard Business School. You say if you are the end, if you are the Oga, who will you take? Talk to. Even if you're from Mojo, you say, nah, this one will be a matter of uh, village people. <laughs> Why is that? Their life is different, not because one is a man and the other is a woman. They are both ladies. Not because one has two brains and the other one has one brain. 
But because the knowledge exposure is different. Knowledge will determine the quality of your life. Even after you have received Zoe. If you stay ignorant, you know go show say you get Zoe. You know go show. You know go show. Let's move ahead here. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 and 3. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, Because you are risen with Christ, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. You know that we actually have underrated knowledge so much. That's why we do not put value on biblical education, spiritual education. And I'm telling you here that Zoe itself is not fully functional in ignorance. Zoe without knowledge is like having iPhone, but you know subscribe. You know subscribe for data. You get iPhone, the iPhone can do quite a lot without subscription, but the capacity of that phone, you have to subscribe. Have you subscribed for knowledge? Or you are remaining ignorant? Now, you see, if you know subscribe for data, your iPhone and Nokia 3310, if now the camera and I'm going different, now the camera. Meanwhile, somebody that subscribed with that iPhone, he may use it, he can turn it, if it's the latest iPhone, he can, somebody got angry with me and said that, uh, she was trying to talk to me, so the network was not going through. And I said, maybe it's my phone. So she told me, what kind of phone are you using? I mentioned. She was very angry. So she said, that's uh, it is the latest phone I must use. When I heard latest phone, I said, ah, well, like Samsung now will come. She said, no. What's the latest iPhone? I, 14? Is it 14? Okay, so she... This was like in March. When did 14 come out? September. So she bought 13. She now said she bought 13, but that's remember that the covenant that I must use the latest. But she's not going to she's going to wait till 14 comes out. Now, if I buy the phone, or if I when I saw the cost of the phone, I said, Yeah, oh, but she said I must use it anyway. Now, if I I've not collected it, but if I collect the phone. I bought it already just to send this. If I collect the phone and I, I, I don't subscribe, and then I'm using it for text message, you know, text message it would, would that not be a waste of investment? We should not be angry that is that is this why we is this why we bought it for you to be sending text message? Some of you are doing like that, which is the way it's SMS you're sending SMS. <laughs> with Zoe, you can have deeper communication, deeper conversations, but you stay with SMS. Even the SMS, you are abbreviating the words. How are you? A R U with iPhone 14. <laughs> and it is ignorant. Now, do you also know that if the iPhone comes and I don't know how to operate it, if you give iPhone to an illiterate, say phone name, Mama. Hello. Okay. Hello. That's all. Hello. So now that woman's illiteracy will not allow her to explore the full functionality of the phone. The phone can do many things, but she will just be using it for hello. Hello? That's all. Your ignorance will cost you. Everything has been packaged already, but your ignorance will cost you. Don't stay ignorant. Go for knowledge. 
lack of knowledge. Number three here. Holiness of life and the practice of righteousness. This is how you can maximize Zoe. The issue of holiness and righteousness for the believer goes beyond the fear of hell. Goes beyond that. The motivation should be greater. The motivation should be that you will underutilize Zoe if you don't walk in holiness of life and preach of life. It's not about just escaping hell, which is actually possible because of what Jesus has done. If you receive Zoe and do not walk in the holiness of life, what happens is that you go back and subscribe to the forces of death, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Don't you know that whoever you yield your members to becomes your master? Now, you have been delivered. I told you all of that in the beginning of the teaching. You have been delivered from death. Translated from the kingdom of darkness. Your sins are forgiven. Now, you don't take all of that and go back to the mud. It's like, and that's why one of the things that God had to do when we became born again is to change our nature. Because if you bring out a pig, how many of you have gone to a pig farm before? Pig farm. Okay. My mother used to have one. It was when I observed pigs and I discovered that pigs are not actually dirty they just like water they like water so if the only available water is mud they will go there <laughs> let me just go there they release a lot of temperature actually from their skin but basically pigs are referred to as dirty animals is that not so? okay if you take a, a pig you know now I, I saw Oyibo farm of pigs I was very impressed very fine you can have them as pets if you see the way you both take your pig, a lady, <laughs> you will not know that it's the same pig that's in Africa we call dirty animals. But if you take an African pig and put wash it with water, wear glass on it, wear suit, bow tie. But you see a pig, the nature is see a pig. If you see mud, he go, he go, no say they wear suit, he go enter the mud. And the, the nature is see a pig. Do you understand it? So, God changed your nature so that sin no longer interests you. And you cannot tell me otherwise. For if you have received Zoe, you become compatible with righteousness, you become incompatible with sin. I'm not saying you are perfect. I'm not saying that you have never sinned since you became born again. I'm saying that that feeling of unhappiness when you sin is because you have Zoe. That's what makes you feel like, ah, mm-mm. You should have done this. It's because you have Zoe. The person who has not received Zoe, that's just normal life now. In fact, I'll brag about it. I'll boast about it. I'll tell my friends about it. In fact, I'll invite people to come and do it with me. So, you already have a proof that you are not compatible with sin. Now, live according to that nature. Don't say things like all of us are sinners. We are all sinning in different degrees. No. No. Because every time you sin, what happens according to Romans 6, 16 is that you yield your members as slaves of death. He says if you yield your members as instrument of righteousness unto life. You see that? But if you sin, you yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto death. What it means by death is it does not mean you fall down and die. And go to wherever you are going to. 
it means that the natural forces of this world will begin to rub off on you. That's what death is. Death means there that you are now governed by an inferior life. Yeah. You will be like you have animal life or plant life. Because you are yielding your body as an instrument of unrighteousness. The holiness talk, the righteousness talk, the purity talk is not a legalistic talk. The new creation must work according to his nature. That's why he says in Romans chapter 3. Shall we abound in sin or shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. No, that was <laughs> that's not even an option. Because we have been crucified already to the world. We have died to sin. Why should sin have our appetite again? We should have no interest in it. But that is so to also help you to manifest Zoe because I told you Satan will do everything to bring you into guilt because he knows in the environment of guilt you cannot manifest Zoe the real see the real thing that Satan is trying to do when he's tempting you to sin is actually to bring you into guilt actually you see because of course Satan understands that your mistakes listen to what I'm saying carefully your mistakes, not your deliberate sin your mistake cannot change your identity it doesn't mean I'm a dog do you understand what I'm saying? it doesn't mean I'm a dog I'm, I'm a woman I'm a dog. my mistakes cannot change my identity so but Satan knows that while I'm doing if I'm trying to toast fine girl fine girl no go come inside so I will lose out on some things. Matthew chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Same story. Different um, lessons, however. In the Luke scenario, we read in verse 14 that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights was tempted of the devil in the wilderness and then he returned in the power of the spirit if Jesus did not overcome the temptation of Satan he will not return in the power of the spirit he will still be the son of God are you listening to me? When he will return in the power of the spirit he's still son of God son of God's status remains but that's a return in the power of the spirit he overcame the temptations of Satan. Guilt is dealt with fundamentally by leaving every trace of carnality, worldliness, and sin. Leave it alone. That's your conscience will always work. And it will irk you to tell you, hey, your alarm bell will ring. Stop that. And as long as that becomes a permanent feature of your life, all your life you will leave your head bowed like this. You won't have the audacity. Of the sons of God, and that's what Satan wants. Satan does not mind you having the way, as long as it's no use, you cannot manifest it, you cannot demonstrate it. No problem. Aside from the fact that you, you, you go to heaven, it doesn't have much losses, you, you are not a threat to him like that. You live in the holiness of life, and living in the holiness of life does not begin with trying to avoid sin. It begins with avoiding every trace of worldliness. Sin 
is a secondary issue. The primary issue is worldliness. And there are many things that are not sinful that we do. But it's worldly, it's canal. And this is why we just walk in the spirit. The language is canal. The picture post is worldly. You see, all of these things will not allow you walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. When you do that, what happens is that your soul is trained to be educated in the way of the world and not in the way of heaven. And so, you cannot now have full expressions of the Zoe because Zoe is a life of heaven. But when you are training your soul to be familiar and to be comfortable with the lifestyle of this world, then you will not be able to manifest the life of heaven. Not because you don't have it. But you see, your soul... You have spirit, we have soul, we have body. What happens in your spirit is what Jesus did. You don't have any contribution to that. What demonstrates or what is demonstrated from that spirit, however, is a function of what your soul and your mind aligns to. That's how we talk about knowledge. If your mind, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, if you are carnally minded, you will die. If you are spiritually minded, you will live. What it means there is that if you live according to the principles and value system of this present world, you will not manifest the higher life. The forces of nature will be your force. How do you think Jesus lived? Beyond the force of nature. That's why he could walk on water. It was a demonstration of his way. Walk on water. Talk to the storm. Be still. Raise the dead. He was only demonstrating that this life that I have is not the one you guys have. But if he lived in unrighteousness and unholiness, his soul will be corrupt. And so what will be dispensed will no longer be Zoe. It will be Suche and Bios. Number four. Is that number four? Alright. Even if you are not counting, don't worry. Whatever number it is. The company of saints. The Zoe life, the company of saints, the association of God's people. The Zoe life was not designed to live, to be lived in isolation. Listen to me again. The Zoe life was not designed to be lived in isolation. The Zoe life is like a coal of fire. Is there anybody here who has ever cooked with charcoal stove before? Okay, we have some people here. I know that many of you are touched in this church. So I don't want to assume. If you put coal or fire, you notice that it is plenty coals. Is that not so? If you remove one of the coals, this one is very hot. It can stand on its own. You separate it. What happens to the coal? It dies. Dies. Zoe was not designed to operate in isolation. That's why Jesus had a company. That's why we have the body of Christ. That's why we have the local church. That's why we are told not to forsake the assembling together of brethren. Because you may have Zoe, but in terms of full expression of Zoe, it does not work in isolation. Paul, as mighty as he was, had his company. When he's writing letters, he would say, Greet this person for me, greet that person for me, this person is with me, this person is with me. Never alone. When Satan wants to quench and choke the effect of Zoe, he isolates. So stay on your own. They don't like you in that church, in that fellowship, because you don't get money, they don't like you. Stay. No go, no go. Now, with all your Zoe investments, you will not stay like this. Meanwhile, God is wondering, you cannot live up to your potential even with what I've invested in you alone. Come to the company of the saints. 
for some people their problem is not that they're alone in fact it is better to be alone for some other people it is that they have company of unbelievers and that's the worst case scenario you have people who are friends and besties who you you cannot say let us pray you cannot because they'll say what did you say let us pray for what is this i've seen that you're becoming too spiritual what is your problem please love is the religion love and light now you see if that's your company that's your company in trouble you may have the will but they go to come choke it so i can't hear iphone i put inside water i say it's iphone it's work this is iphone but then the environment was not designed for that are you getting it what's your company in the day peter was taken captive they went to pray they went to pray if anything happens to you do you have seriously do you have friends that can pray i know you have friends that can raise money i know but do you have people that will say we are, we are praying we are praying and when i say we are praying, i'm not talking about praying i'm being told instagram say ranana shake it i'm saying people you know the way they prayed when peter was in prison even a girl came and said peter has, has come they did not believe they were so lost in their prayer they're like oh you are mad we are praying don't, don't distract us we are praying do you have people like that you have people like that or you have friends that say let's leave bible aside forget about bible let's face the reality is that, is that your friend with your zoe is that your friend they will talk the life out of you you will have zoe but it will have no it will have no impact to have no weight one last point here prayer my time is almost up so let's mention this and then we'll pray in matthew 17 something remarkable happened in the life and ministry of jesus now jesus son of god zoe very true but his apostles did not really know him as they ought to know so one day jesus wanted to demonstrate something so he took him to a mountain it's called well we call it the manner of transfiguration that's what we call it but it was just a mountain and then he got there and he began to pray and he made sure he prayed in the presence of his apostles are you still listening to me i'm soon done i'll soon be done so please just give me a few more minutes give me lend me your ears for a few more minutes okay now while he prayed his clothes became very white in other words there was a supernatural glue just like the one bishop bishop was talking about concerning moses when he saw god face to face and his face began to radiate and so there was a glow around jesus that made the apostles very very startled and so prior to that time they respected jesus but you don't see them attempting to worship him when that happened however peter began to say let's make three tabernacles here he began to speak about worship because he has seen jesus in his full expression however jesus would never have been seen in full expression without prayer they could have all looked at jesus as he's a great man he's a mighty man but they would never see him as worthy of worship until jesus prayed in their presence he prayed and then his clothes were so white and then elijah and moses came down and peter was statued let us make three tabernacles here this is deity here this is not just a man your real identity will not come out until you pray you have the way you, you, you will speak in tongues and you go to heaven but people will not really know you until you pray yourself into transfiguration 
you pray yourself into a temperature that explodes I know what it is for someone to come close to me and literally feel the heat and energy of God like it's not make me feel it it's tangible that's what happened to Jesus they could they could see the, the glow around him this same Jesus that ate bread with us and ate fish with us and slept while the storm was happening what a man and they began to say let's worship let's worship let's worship people will mock your religion with your zoe they will insult and ridicule your Christian practice your Christian commitments until you pray yourself to glory until you set yourself ablaze by prayer James 5 and verse 16 the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man produces tremendous effect you see we underrate prayer because we think that it's all about receiving the life you can receive the life and there will be nothing spectacular about you if you don't pray Jesus was son of God why would he pray because it is prayer that actually activates the energies of the life prayer is to the Christian what charging phones is to a phone you have your iPhone 14 you don't plug it to electricity and charge it will be dead my baby will carry it and break it and say it's a useless phone the cost is close to a million but it is useless because you did not charge it you refuse to charge it Pray yourself to glory. I'm not talking about some morning devotions of plus Jesus minus Satan. You think that's what Jesus did on that mountain? You think you think that's what he did on the mountain? What do we do when we want those, those times we were growing up for, for food? Why did Jesus to pray? Bless this food, oh Lord, for Christ's sake. And now we, as lazy adults, we convert it to bless this day, oh God, for Christ's sake. Bless this night, oh God, for Christ's sake. Ah, they gave you the Holy Ghost so that you could speak in tongues and spend time praying and groaning, and that's what activates power. That's what activates Zoe life, Zoe power is unlimited. You determine how much you want to operate, you can do two percent, two percent battery power. If that's what you want, no problem. But you can tell yourself, I will always be hundred percent full. Ephesians 5 18 be being filled with the spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, but be being filled. In other words, be continuously filled with the spirit. You can tell yourself, I will never have a low battery as a Christian. I will always be full of power. How do you think Jesus lived? There was no time they brought a case to Jesus. Jesus says, Wait first, let me go and do retreats three days. I want to go and charge first. He was always charged. Bring the dead, we are ready. Bring the sick, we are ready. That's the Christian life. You don't know the mountain that you that will face you. You don't know. So you cannot you cannot afford to be saying, I will, when I see Wala, I will pray. Hey, it will be too dangerous like that. You stay full of power. In Acts chapter 4, they prayed to a point the building shook. Have you ever prayed that your body shakes before? If you have not gotten there, then you are under you are wasting away. It's a waste of investment. That's why I came here to make you angry. And it's beyond what is gonna happen in this conference after night, blessing a dinner day. Now no invest become dinner. Now only my invitation, I go honor. I know they do beggy beggy. And even though there's dinner, but after this conference, generally go back and challenge yourself and say, I have received the life of God. What am I doing with it? Stand to your feet. Let's pray for some minutes. Pray for some minutes. Pray in the spirit. What will you do with Zoe? What will you do with Zoe? What will you do with Zoe? Pray in the spirit. 
I don't believe there's a restriction on how loud you can pray here. So I don't expect you to pray like a grandma or a grandpa. Pray with fervency. Pray the way Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Pray like he prayed on the mountain of transfiguration. Let the life of God flow through you. Let the life of God flow through you. Pray with hunger. Pray with holy anger. You have received the life of God. Sicknesses should not be oppressing you. you know? uh, uh, uh. Bacteria should not be conquering your soul. Bacteria and fungi. Infections. For what? For what? Pray yourself for glory. Pray with a sense of desperation. That's how the power is expressed. That's how the life is pressured to work. Pray like you have no other option. Don't pray like you are waiting to end the prayers. Pray like your life depends on it. Don't pray with the consciousness of time. Pray like your life depends on it. Don't waste the investment of God.
have this life that I have is the life of Christ in me. This life that I have is the life of God. 